0: podcasters stare out at a gray sea in a 4 by 3 aspect ratio. <gasps> Aye, good crop today. I don't Bye. know. I don't know. I was trying to do like a lighthouse thing. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. It's, I mean. Bad luck to podcast about a seabird. I don't know. You like my lobster?
1: Um, <laughs> you like my lobster? Uh
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't, you know, it's fine, the lobster's fine It's fine, it's mostly a conveyance for the butter And also we're both slowly going insane on this island But, um, (laughs) I know, that wasn't it, we'll find it Because I will say I'm really happy that we found on Kings of King That it starts with a song parody almost, you know, 80% of the time at least Right And uh, that's a good thing, and I didn't want to just use that I don't want that convention to bleed into this show, but, um,
1: Haven't thought about it yet, but we're better than this. We're better than this.
0: We'll think of something better next time. We'll keep trying until Anders Sons has its own thing. That wasn't it. The point is,
1: you got to evolve. You, as an artist, have to evolve.
0: And I support you in this. But forget that. Pretend the podcast started right. Now, hey, everyone, <laughs> it's me, Michael Swaim, sitting across from my best pal here. Hey, I'm, I, I'm Abe Epperson. And this is Anders' Sons, where we chronologically cover the films of both P.T. and Wes Anderson. based solely on that flimsy pun, and it is a deep dive <laughs> podcast uh, in the vein of a book club, but about movies where we close read and try and mine these films for all they're worth. I'm Michael Swain. No, no, I'm just trying to make it worse and worse. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, today we're talking about Wes Anderson's first feature film, Bottle Rocket, based on an expanded short of the same name, which we won't be covering, and I didn't watch. And I also hadn't seen Bottle Rocket before till today. And Abe, I gotta say... Mm Mm-hmm. I got some problems with this movie, Abe. Yeah, you know... <laughs> Starting to feel like you were right when you were like, it should just be about P.T. Anderson. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, okay. I, I wanted to... I'm already to, worried. I, I'm glad you said this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to address kind of the elephant in the room for me. If you've been listening to these deep dives, been listening to any uh, time uh, Wes Anderson is mentioned, you kind of know my opinion of him. Uh, I also hadn't seen this film before, mm-hmm. and... I thought it's interesting because freshman directors, without all the money and control, you know, they show their heart a little bit more. It's like a, a more raw version of storytelling. And right. For Wes Anderson, that means that he doesn't have all the elements of like his fashion filmmaking in his later film, films at his disposal. Mm. So I thought this podcast is kind of me saying, hey, let's meet in the middle. Let's Brian. see what's good about Wes Anderson. And maybe by the end, I won't have like this toxic opinion that is just mm-hmm. like doesn't really serve anyone other than myself. Just voicing my opinion for the sake of voicing my opinion, you know, to grow. And uh, this podcast is for me to grow. And you know what? After watching this, I have to say this movie is bullshit. Fuck Wes Anderson Uh-oh. and his pretty ass films, oh, no. dude.
0: So we <laughs> so we started dipping our t- I mean, OK, so. Kerr Vonnegut is amazing. Cohen brothers are amazing. And then we started dipping our toe in the waters of like varying quality because we started doing Kings of King, which of course, because it's adaptations, it's going to have some weak ones. Um, now we've encoded into the DNA of the show that there's going to like every other film, Abe is going to really not like, hopefully sure. I'll bounce around because the whole reason I urged us to include Wes Anderson, besides the great, great pun, is... Uh, that Royal Bombs remains one of my favorite movies ever And so this might, damn, I hope we don't get to that And I realize it's bad um, but, <laughs> but we mm. did what we did So we're going where we're going Last time we covered Heartache 8 by PTA And now we're doing Bottle Rocket Let's get into it we'll Mm -hmm. see it's gonna be a rocky ride either way you read closely and fruitful stuff comes of it even if it's bad you know we'll unpack what doesn't work and why Mm -hmm. so we do that through the lens of three spectra diegesis pedagogy and how do you do that diegesis coming right at you this show doesn't even have sound effects does it We just Uh, raw dog this show. Yeah. We we just just, raw dog this show. We just go. It's all it. Great. So diegesis is where we synopsize the plot and sort of, I mean, it literally, if this were a book club, this is what you do, right? You go in chronological order through the book and talk about moments that stood out to you and what you thought they meant. Um, Abe, you want to kick it off? Yeah. I like the idea of the fact that you have a chip on your, I want to hear someone who hates this movie and describe the events. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you got it. So it's it starts with credits and it's got some banging Fu, Futura medium black fonts, baby. So good. Fucking great font. Just the best. It, uh, the first scene opens in, I guess we're in Arizona, and uh, the character Dignan, who's played by Owen Wilson, is breaking his friend Anthony, played by uh, Luke Wilson, out of a voluntary psychiatric hospital. And it's kind of clever because... Uh, you know, Owen Wilson is using, using a mirror to catch, uh, you know, his friend's attention, and uh, there's this little mishap where the doctor comes out, and the doctor's like, "Are you trying to escape again?" And you know, like, since it's voluntary, you get this sense that there's nothing stopping him, but <clears throat> because of hijinks and friendship. He uh, you know, he crawls out of the it's window. like, Dignan
0: expects me to escape. I don't want to disappoint him.
1: Yeah. And uh the when Anthony gets to Dignan, uh Ant, uh Dignan has this whole narrative in his head. He's like, oh, he thinks that the doctor is the is a janitor. He's like, You got the janitor help? That's awesome. Hmm. So you get the sense that they have these plans and sometimes they work out, but it's clear they're both a little dumb or a little out there, right? Yeah. So it's a pretty good establishing scene for character, right? Um Then they're on a bus Also I love
0: that You just said It's kind of clever Cause I think that is Well that mm-hmm. sums up My opinion about Every single device That Wes Anderson Employs in the movie Yeah mm-hmm. that's kind of clever Yeah Yeah <laughs> Alright uh, go on <laughs> You know
1: Let's let's not try to be Sure yeah. Let's not try I mean, to be Assholes about rocket. it Yeah but I mean Like or at least Let me be the asshole So mm-hmm. that you can You know So when the uh, Wes Anderson It the Wilson's heads,
0: careers Not to mention Wes oh, Anderson yeah. But yeah Uh
1: Martin Scorsese Loved it (laughs) And Owen Wilson Almost
0: considered uh, Quitting acting If this didn't work out It was his last Big chance Swing So it's like
1: This was uh, This Made careers Over here Um, Yeah They're on a bus Next Talking about A a plan to do Several heists To meet up With uh, this Famed It's just a photo It's of James Caan Mr. Henry Who's some kind Of criminal That they aspire To meet At least And we see uh, Wes Anderson insert shots of their cute drawings. It's very reminiscent, even though it's not like I mentioned before, the fashion filmmaking that Wes Anderson is so well known for because of his ability to choose really cool looking props and just quality of paper, quality of wall. You know, like it's just very cool to look at. And uh, you have none of this. You have uh, you have like essentially crayon. And uh, just a normal notepad, you can tell it's not pristine, but it's you see Wes Anderson in these inserts. They're cute drawings, they are charming, and they're whimsical in all the ways that you see. This is the first time that we really, because we aren't seeing these proscenium shots of uh, in the wide or whatnot, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning of this film, this is the first time we actually see something. And I go, that looks like Wes Anderson. It's um, also,
0: I love this IMDb trivia. It's the first time Owen Wilson is on film in like a released film saying, wow. Wow. <laughs> uh,
1: so <laughs> they're talking about how they want to meet with this, uh, Mr. Henry. And they talk about how they're going to do like some heists. Uh, so we see, we cut right to the first heist. And they're at a house and they're stealing what looks to be jewelry. Uh, But they're kind of cute again. They just toy soldiers, et cetera. They don't really damage anything. And then uh, we kind of hear in the next scene that it was Anthony's family's
0: home. Um, He says, well, hey, next time, why don't we rob your house then? Because they start arguing. Yeah. And they argue because uh, Dignan took earrings. And Anthony was like, "You can't. That's my mom's earrings. She that's loves my, those earrings. I bought like them for my and, mother." Yeah. And a like, whimsical detail: you signed mm-hmm. you signed a thing that said "List of things Dignan will not steal," and earrings was on mm-hmm. the list. You signed it, man.
1: Yeah, you signed it, yeah. and that's uh,
0: that's it's their first robbery. It's yeah, very cute. It's their first um, cute robbery.
1: Their next stop is Anthony goes to an elementary school to meet uh, his little sister Grace. We find out that she tells her friends that he is an airplane pilot because she doesn't want to admit uh, to anyone that he's in a psychiatric hospital Mm -hmm. and he's, quote, gone nuts. Um, She doesn't like Dignan because he's a liar, which we've seen to be kind of true. Uh, Some standout lines,
0: I thought, from this interchange with Grace, um, because they basically play the bit where it reminded me a bit of Bad Santa uh with thurman merman and (laughs) billy bob right right. less in your face funny and more cute but she acts Mm. very adulty right she's more mature than him and that's the joke yes what's gonna happen to you anthony jesus christ what kind of question is that to ask me (laughs) and uh well (laughs) when are you coming home i did think this was a resonant line i'm an adult i can't come home that's his that's his problem in the film right
1: that's his problem and that's well, that's both of their
0: problems. Yeah, um, they are child adults.
1: <laughs> yeah, they don't have a. We'll we'll dip into it a little bit more when we uh, get to pedagogy, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're basically man yeah. children. and that's Intercoat um, with
0: their buddy Bob Maplethorpe auditioning to join mm-hmm. their gang, and he's the driver, or he want he aspires to be the getaway driver, and Owen Wilson's basically coaching him on like. Mm-hmm. No, don't tell me all this shit. He says, I think there's an air of mystery about me. He goes, No, stick to the basics. Just say that you're the only one with a car. And he goes, Okay, I'm the only one with a car. And he's like, All right, you got the job.
1: Yeah, I like it. I actually like that one. He said, This hits me right here, pointing to his heart. See, that <laughs> like, hits me
0: right here in the heart. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so, uh, yeah, we get the sense that Dignan is kind of like he wants, he has a f- perfect version of a gang and he wants everyone to conform to it, but no one will conform to it. Hijinks and Sue, that's the name of the game in terms of comedy in the 90s. It's definitely forward thinking in terms of comedies in the nineties, you got to put it in its time and place. So I'll give it that. That's a I, good joke. In the I 90s. often
0: likened it to, and what's funny is I'm pretty sure it's 100% scripted. It has the feel mm-hmm. of something very scripted, but at the same time, it also, they have this clerks style banter throughout mm-hmm. that if Wes Anderson's nothing else, he is good at writing naturalistic dialogue that sounds like people talking the way people talk in a very organic way that's very like clerksy and bantery and although it never reaches the peaks of like wow that banter is so funny that's the thing is i never really laugh but it maintains a constant level of this dialogue's good does that make Mm -hmm. sense (laughs) like this is good dialogue
1: i mean i actually disagree with the naturalistic aspect i'd say Oh, you think it
0: feels stilted
1: I think, well, not stilted, uh, because I think like that that's heightened? a qu- qualitative assessment. I think it's more, uh, it's stylized, um, but it's stylized in a way that makes you go, oh, I kind of like the way they talk. This, you know, kind of like think of uh, the screenplay of Juno or something like I that. I genuinely it's like,
0: like the way they talk. I guess that's what yeah, I'm driving at. Th- I, yes.
1: I think I think that that's true. I think that's true for a lot of people. I think that that's the, encased in the charm of, you know, Wes Anderson. Here's a good,
0: like a good example is by what I mean by naturalistic is, uh, so for example, on this drive home with Anthony Owen, uh, Dignan, sorry. And Bob, Bob is trying to bond with Anthony by saying like, I get it. Well, I'm going to say what he, I'm going to say something else first. So I feel like any other screen or many screenplays that were trying to get this exposition across in this scene (laughs) would have Bob say something like, uh, And I've got this thing with my brother, you know, he is always attacking me. Or like, there's so many stilted ways you could do that line and Mm -hmm. deploy that exposition. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, I mean, my brother, you know, it's a shit situation, beats the crap out of me all the time. And I'm just like, because we're writing a screenplay right now, we're co-writing one. And you know this thing where I do admire the skill of being able to read a line back and go, no one says illuminated, just say lit. You know, like making yeah. the dialogue simple, straightforward, the way people really talk. Um, I, mm. I understand why you call it stylized as well. But I there mean, are a lot stylized. of moments where I'm like,
1: yeah, this, I, I think, buy this. Yeah, that I because you buy the, uh, the the cartoons. I mean, I don't mean that derogatorily. I think that like Coen brothers are highly stylized, right? Yeah, you know, he's a suitor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that the wire is even uh, highly stylized. But it's everything is about the playing to the moment and the tone of what is being developed by the environment of the film, the landscape, you know, like the setting and uh, the characters, like all these kind of, uh, you know, setups make you believe you're in a type of a world. And I think that one thing Wes Anderson does very effectively is he's very tonally consistent with his worlds. He knows exactly. How these people talk and it's a fully formed uh, like kind of picture or portrait in our mind. So when he exceeds in the expectations and does this kind of, you know, what I would call not really natural language, um, it does feel coherent it feels consistent
0: so we cut to later and uh, they're all at the home of Bob and his older brother who seem to live there with no one else I think it's their house this is something I don't fully understand that we'll get into in pedagogy in depth because I also had an issue. Like this is where I started to have 2021 issues with this movie, but Mm -hmm. uh, his brother's name is future man, which I do find delightful.
1: I find that delightful. (laughs) I I didn't know that from the watching it. I I was, Oh, had the Wikipedia open at the Mm -hmm. time when I read that. I was like, Maybe this film is good yeah. <laughs> I don't know. yeah.
0: So Dignan and Anthony are hanging at Bob's house Future man comes home and beats the crap out of him Like he mm. said would happen yeah. <laughs> And yeah. meanwhile they talk to Stacy Which I do think is a weird scene Because it's not like Bunny Lebowski Like Stacy never comes up again ever She's mm-hmm. just also there And I don't understand her purpose in the film But that's neither here nor there Anyway mm-hmm. she's very flirtatious with Anthony um who is a good looking hunk of man so i mean luke you know it's prime luke wilson so i guess i get Mm -hmm. it but we never understand who who stacy is or what where that was headed but yeah
1: she mentions that like her sister would really like or her friend would really like be jealous that he's here like yeah stacy gets to talk to him so like you get the sense that anthony has like cred, cred in with the these girls schools. which is bizarre yeah.
0: yeah which is bizarre yeah maybe it's just setting up what a stuck in the past kind of yeah all his all his glory is from the past but anyway she asks mm. why were you in an insane asylum we get the impression multiple times that Dignan doesn't want people to know that Um, like he does mm. find it stigmatic meanwhile mm. uh, Luke Wilson as a whimsical Wes Anderson depressed person is very open about it right and very like blunt so mm. he has uh, a line I enjoyed Well, one day I was at Elizabeth's beach house and she asked me if I'd rather go water skiing or lay out. And I realized not only did I not want to answer that question, but I didn't want to answer any water sports question or see any of these people again for the rest of my life. Um, So it sets up this kind of idea that he's in the Gilded cage right because mm-hmm. it mentions water skiing or laying out at a beach house and it's they're sitting in bob's yard and i gotta tell you bob is fucking loaded like that house it's interesting it's, that for wes anderson's first movie he got one of the most expensive things to get which is a rich person's house
1: well a specifically it's shot at the john gillian residence which was designed by frank lloyd wright it's beautiful um, beautiful house it's, it's
0: yeah. a it's a very legendary impressive scene yeah <laughs> Which is weird, um, and it sets up the whole idea, which I think it's supposed to, where you're like, "Why are these guys criminals? Bob is rich. Like, why do they? Why are right. they even doing this? <laughs> they mm-hmm. do these small crimes, and mm-hmm. you get the impression, and from the title, Bottle Rocket, that that's that's why it's called Bottle Rocket, right? These crimes to them are little fun trifles. They do it for the adventure of it, um, which mm-hmm. is whimsical. You know, it's the only... You can't get around that word if you're talking about... It's consistent.
1: It's all there. It's very
0: consistent. So, uh, Stacy says, you're really complicated, aren't you? And he says, I try not to be. Hard cut banjo montage of them buying guns in a cornfield and testing them and drawing cute targets and whimsically (laughs) testing guns. And uh, I remember what I was going to say, which is, even though it's highly scripted, some of that banter reminds me of if apatow improv were tighter and better does that make sense at all um i think that the, the banter do you, mean the offer,
1: do you mean the banter in sense of like the offers of like what there's the, what the characters want to say or do you mean like how it's written yeah like that each words? line
0: is a stack it's like a sandwich stack of things <clears throat> yes. where you're like i bet you didn't think i was gonna go it's, that way with it i bet you didn't think i was gonna respond this way
1: it's like the peculiar sense of yes ending that like um, a lot of Anchorman characters and stuff uh, like really- It feels like I love Lamp. Set up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I'm going to ignore what you just said, which is a huge offer and give my, an additional larger offer. Like- Which really took over comedy for, and still yeah. kind of owns comedy. Like if you've seen Free Guy, that just it's came all this. out. Yeah, It's all the same kind of- what you know, it's it's Lego movie man, it's just throwing everything at it, uh, and it's like it's the end extension of the Apatow system, uh, and yes, very much so. I would say I would agree with you that like the whimsy is in the it's kind of it's gonna sound stupid, but it's kind of like the what they're not saying, it's like the fact that there's no like hold on, no, what exactly. Did you just say?
0: Like he says, uh, you know, whatever, some big offer, and then he'll respond, "Oh, that's going to make Robo unhappy." And no one says, mm-hmm. "Who's Robo? Why is his name Robo? Yeah. What are you talking about?" No right. one ever quit. Everyone just continue, like plows ahead with whatever crazy detail was just offered, mm-hmm. and they throw back a crazier detail, uh, and it works on rare occasion. There's moments it works. We'll get to them. It's Um, just a
1: lot of it constantly. Well, the one that really works
0: for me is (laughs) in the chaos of the final heist, they have this guy, Kumar, who's only like his only setup is that he's a master safecracker. And I love when Owen Wilson runs in and he's just sitting there and he's like... (laughs) I can't Why are you just sitting here? He's like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Like he just can't crack <laughs> can't the safe. He's not gonna try. Safe. He gives up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing
1: a lot, so maybe it's yeah. good. You know, maybe um, it's good.
0: Um, where are we know. at in the story? Story. Well,
1: after after they shoot guns in they the field. Go That's right. Back they go back to Bob's house and which argue more. We see this a lot in this movie. We go like scenes could be cut out entirely. Wes Anderson doesn't seem to give a shit about that. Like, he wanted to go to a farm and show them shooting guns. That was important that to Wes Anderson. To him. Yeah. And he needed it. He wanted to play music because it's almost like the story. Wasn't done setting up the heist Because it wasn't We didn't. We don't know what these people are doing So we need to go to their home base And that's what this next scene is Which is back at Bob's house They go over the plan for the next heist And they mostly disagree about who holds the gun Like there's a gun there And the gun could be as a writer, you could put the gun in in any way, but you chose to see them go buy one. Uh, and that's, you know, fine. But they're disagreeing about it with who like like who's paying for what and like who's devoted who's to the Who's gonna hold gang. the gun
0: during the job, etc.? Yeah, yeah,
1: this bothers Dignan because, like I said before, he has an image of how he thinks the gang is. So he just says
0: that the gang is over. Well, it's a good line. He's out. You know what? You're out too. Come to think of it, I'm out.
1: No gang. <laughs> right. And so he kind of takes steps away from the table. Luke Wilson walks over with him and they spend a second in the other room. Uh, and then they walk back kind of tail bet- uh, and Dignan's got his tail between his legs kind of thing. Convinces He's been convinced that the gang is back and he apologizes. He says, quote, I feel like the group isn't gelling. But just then weird. it's a smile. circular scene.
0: Yeah, they all smile at each other, and everyone makes up, and it's fine. So we cut to the heist. Well, that's what gives me clerks and early Tarantino vibes, because there's dialogue-driven scenes that don't need to exist, but are only there because you're like, just revel hugely, in the dialogue. Just chill. Usually
1: Tarantino influenced. Yeah. I mean, the years just. You know, yeah. 96. I mean, right. come on. It's, it's so like 96. <laughs> it's like he saw Pulp Fiction. He's like, I could do this without violence. Yeah. Um, but he had the sense that he needed to have like heists or something charming. It's interesting that he made violent. it about a
0: crime still. Yeah. With yeah, guns. Yeah.
1: I, th- I think he thought that that's. That was kind of a a secret part of the formula. And then once he started developing as an artist, he realized you could get rid of that aspect of the formula. Mm -hmm. Um, But he knew that or it was just an acknowledgement of heist films or just crime films were in in the 90s. And that's kind of always true, but especially in this era. Um. So we cut to the heist, and well, of course, what they're heisting is a bookstore. Often Wes really Anderson is called, yeah, yeah. Often a, Wes Anderson is called a uh, director of uh, literary chic. So it's right there in his scenes. They put band aids on their nose,
0: and um, the only explanation is Bob saying, "Why do you have tape on your nose?" And Owen Wilson says, "Exactly." That's it. Exactly.
1: Uh, they get <laughs> so, the I librarian. guess it's just to
0: confuse people.
1: Yeah. And who they were talking to in that uh, little sh- section that Mike pointed out is like the librarian who kind of opens the door to welcome people in because they're closed. So, he kind of says, No, we're closed. You can't get through. But he opens the door to kind of explain further when they're just like, I don't understand what you mean. Um, and they just walk through the, uh, front door because Owen Wilson kind of just like pulls out the gun, has his gun at us at a certain point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now they're inside and they're still, and once they realize that there's very little money in bookstores, they're now stealing books. Um, and
0: unless you have anything else you want to get add to that some scene, money.
1: they get um, some money and no, then they they're yell, just, hit the, let's hit jokes, the road and,
0: you know, yeah, like jokes. the manager, the joke is how The joke is, like, what kind of basic bitch robbery this is. Like, Mm -hmm. the bags are too small, so instead of one big bag of money, they have to take five little bags of money. And uh, he, you know, calls the manager an idiot, and the manager, even though he has a gun aimed at his head, is like, don't call me an idiot, you punk. And he's like, I'm I'm sorry, sir. So Mm -hmm. it's like a low-confidence robbery. Uh, And then you smash cut to them at Bob's house celebrating as if they just robbed, you know, Whatever, Alcatraz. I or Fort Knox. Um right. they're like we did it, boys, <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. They're you, like yeah. Part, yeah,
1: it's a party now. Um we find out that the they, so, Oh yeah, they're
0: gonna go, and then they, they think they gotta lay low because it was such a huge crime. So yeah. they they're gonna go on a road trip for a while. On the yeah, run from Johnny Law, it ain't no trip to Cleveland.
1: They say we're gonna go on the lamb, which they mentioned several times in the movie. Yeah. Um Which is just a funny phrase. It's a funny way to say that. Uh, In that scene back at Bob's place, uh, we then start uh, peeling the next heist, which is uh, Dignan saying that the next job is going to include a larger crew. Um, but then, uh, uh, Anthony recognizes that the, uh, photo of the quote old crew is actually just his old landscaping company he worked for. So now we get the sense that Mr. Henry is just a landscaper and landscaper. This might just all be landscaper. Like what's going on with Dignan? Why is this so important to him? What is there's. It's a big mystery box at this point. And Dignan tells Anthony that they're both landscapers and criminals and uh, that, you know, uh, Mr. Henry taught Dignan everything he knows. He also does mention that Mr. Henry fired him uh, and he gets real sad about that. He says, as you know, Mr. Henry Dignan says, Dignan, you're out just like that. Uh, And he confides Mm -hmm. that to Anthony. And he tells him not to tell Bob. So, Dignan himself is kind of playing this, which we see later when we actually meet Mr. Henry. Well, Dignan uh, wants to make
0: more of his life than there really is. That's his whole but thing. Like Delusions Dignan of grandeur.
1: D- Dignan is doing this thing where he's like, I'm going to give you information that I won't give this other member right. of the crew. Uh, he's kind of false in that way. He's not a true leader. Um, right. But that, that'll, you know, we'll talk more about so that. So, they um, lay
0: low at a shitty motel. Uh Dignan says, I'm going to get us the best room in the house to prove to you that crime does pay. And you cut to them in what I guess is the best room at a shitty motel. But that's still shitty because it's just like a Motel 6. And uh, yeah. And Anthony's chilling in the pool one day and he sees a maid. And I don't know what to tell you but literally he falls in love with her because she is barefoot I think like that's she's what barefoot the barefoot
1: and she has a cool she has a cool radio. radio
0: and I think he's it's one of those moments where he's like she's such a fashion icon I love her now or like she's so Wes Anderson imagery that I'm in love you know yeah, it's, it's Looney Tunes. love at it first sight it's that cake
1: song like she's got a short jacket you know it's mm-hmm. like I can't say why I like her I just like her style but what's funny to uh, me is of
0: course you can say why you like her she's blazing hot, like in the stereotypical she's a very yeah, attractive both, woman. They're yeah. both
1: blazing hot, yeah. and uh,
0: you know, that's fine. But rather than treat it as a casual, like, fuck along the journey, he's like, I need to marry this woman, for whatever reason that's never explained. Yeah, th- yeah. Um, Dignan wants them to go get haircuts, but Anthony won't as an excuse to stay behind, and this is a part that I really have a problem with, I'll just say up front.
1: Oh, really? Um,
0: through 2021 eyes, yeah, she doesn't speak English, he's a Uh, You know, a customer at the hotel. But Anthony basically stays behind to what I would call aggressively sexually harass this hotel employee. And it's just pure movie magic that she falls for him, too. Like his behavior is objectively incredibly creepy and gross. Um, Well,
1: yeah, he follows her around as she's cleaning other
0: hotel rooms. Yeah, he touches her hand and like, and she doesn't speak English it's. It just seems she, she like a weird situation.
1: Start. No, it's one of those things where the storybook wrote it. It was written such that she didn't she sends no signals. She's that it's into like, it. I don't like this. But it's but just you, sheer movie magic. Yeah. But you line up 99 women right. uh, or 100 women, 99 women are going to be like, please don't do that. In some <laughs> exactly. language. Yes. Only maybe. what? I mean, I don't know. It's Luke Wilson. So maybe not. I, I'm not going to assume your situation. 100 women that I just Absolutely. made Absolutely. The point sure. is, it doesn't seem like that would go well for anybody, but yeah. it does go well in this scenario. That's what we're pointing she out. She
0: falls in love back at the barbershop which I did think was a funny reality. Um, Bob tells Dignan his brother was arrested for growing marijuana and storms out. He's like, we got to help my brother. And Dignan's like, very loudly in a public place. But what about hiding our identities? Bob? Bob! So he's shouting his name and shouting loudly, we're trying to hide our identities. That's why we're getting haircuts. I mean, that's funny.
1: It's, uh, yeah, they're bad.
0: Yeah, they're bad criminals. Bad criminals is often funny. Uh, Anthony is chilling in the laundry room with Inez and he says, God, this is great. We're in the laundry room. You're working on your vocabulary. We're sharing tamales. It's just how I'd expect it. So literally what he likes about her is that she doesn't speak and she conforms to exactly what he thinks a Latin mm-hmm. Latina maid would do. And mm-hmm. I just think that's really weird. <laughs> that's a weird reason yeah, to fall for someone. It's also
1: both Dignan and Anthony's flaws, as yeah. we'll see, is their expectation of events to conform to what their, uh, their hopes are, yeah. which is just not you know willful ignorance.
0: And uh, Inez shows her the tiny picture of her sister from her locket that she wears around her neck. Very and he at-
1: tiny little picture, which is cute. He asks is to keep it. Very tiny. Which is yeah, that's
0: weird. Weird. Really weird power dynamic. Because she says,
1: like, no, that's my sister. He goes, oh, can I still keep it? <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of you. And she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, but. Like, I guess.
0: Our our te- our prudishness aside, she was super into it, and it all worked out because when yeah. Dignan and Bob come back, they find Inez and Anthony and like Inez's friends and family all partying in the hotel our room, loving Anthony. So yeah. yeah, and I did like the little touch of Luke looking at Owen Wilson and going. I thought you went to get a haircut. (laughs) It's like they went and came back and nothing happened. nothing transpired. No one is
1: doing what the the other is expecting. No one's doing
0: what they thought they were going to be doing during this block of time. Right.
1: Uh, Yeah. And Bob kind of mentions again his family quote situation uh, and they all have a little disagreement, mainly, mainly Dignan. Uh, and Anthony's clearly the calm one in the group. He suggests that they wait 48 hours to see what happens to Bob's brother, then act. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a kind of like nighttime scene where Anthony and Inez swim in the, uh, at night in the pool. They kiss. Uh, Dignan interrupts and is, kind of lingers a bit in two scenes in a row, kind of being a third wheel. Uh, Anthony gives uh, Inez a watch. Which mm-hmm. never really comes back.
0: It's only a setup for a joke, which I did like, which is the next day he's stalking her by calling and he's calling and like phone call goes. And he just doesn't. Hello, housekeeping. Him. Is Inez in yet? Oh, I thought she got in at nine. Oh, oh, I see. It's not nine. I don't have my watch on. She has it. But
1: she has my watch. <laughs> I think yeah, it's just true. a setup for that joke. It's just set up that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um,
0: yeah, she says, bueno, I have to go pretty brusquely. Anyway, I'm done. I'm done virtue signaling about how Inez is in a weird position, but it's uh, true. Close shot of Bob's hand sneaking the car keys away from a table full of confetti, and I liked that shot. It was very Napoleon Dynamite and very Wes Anderson. Um, Dignan up. Uh, Dignan wakes up and realizes Bob left. He's super upset because he's like, "We're all supposed to be a gang," and Anthony's mm. like, "Chill out. He just went to get his brother. I'm sure it'll be fine." And let's just fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. So cut to a diner and they're having breakfast at a diner. I did like
1: one line Mm -hmm. in the scene, which is, or two lines in the scene, which is Anthony, Bob stole his car, which I just like. (laughs) Stole his car. Yeah. And then the other one is immediately like after that, he says, we'll get him. When we get him, we'll blow up his car or something. I can tell (laughs) you that much. Yeah. 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 Anyway,
0: continue. uh, They have a diner scene. Um, Dignan starts to realize that Anthony's head is elsewhere because Anthony is sketching a horse, Inez riding With a Inez horse riding in crayon, horse, crayon yeah. on the placemat. And it yeah. is an objectively funny sketch for an adult to do.
1: Yeah. And it's cute because it says Inez in all of the yeah. corners and it's like a little, uh, and then uh, thing. the
0: thread that he's been building comes to a head because Owen Wilson says, don't, don't do this to me. Don't make me out to be the jealous friend because I am as excited for you as anybody. And he goes, Really? And he goes, okay then, see you later. And he sprints away. So he's so in love that he doesn't want pancakes. He's just going to run back to the hotel and find Inez. Mm -hmm. And of course, despite his protestations, it's pretty obvious. Dignan does feel like a third wheel and he Mm -hmm. feels like he's losing his friend, which is my God, that is the... If that isn't the thread, the arc of 90% of indie comedies, I don't know what is. It's like right, yeah. two fuck-up buddies and the friendship is threatened by love, right? I mean, it's it's uh, dumb and dumber. So yeah. anyway.
1: The male lays, as yeah, they
0: say. They finally bone at the hotel and as an Anthony... Uh, then it cuts to them all three hanging out with Dignan still being a third wheel. Dignan fires off more bottle rockets. Anthony suggests mm-hmm. they go into a bar in town that Inez knows. We cut there and it's obviously like a local hangout for the Latinx Mexican population. and Because everyone's basically speaking Spanish. And I liked, I liked the one shot of Dignan going to the urinal and a guy goes, you are in the army, yes? And he goes, no, I just have short hair. Um, right, because
1: he does look like
0: he's guile or something.: Yeah, so uh, I just bring up the milieu because Dignan immediately like runs a of a guy and gets his ass kicked over a pool yeah. game in the background. Well, Anthony gets pissy that people are not speaking English enough. Which is so fucking entitled that yeah. I I don't find it cute. It's supposed to be cute and whimsical and funny, but I find that like what a douchebag moment. Mm-hmm. But he's like, it's weird how why can't people just speak English? And I'm like, you're at a Mexican bar, dude. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. Dignan gets his ass kicked, so they're sort of they fall back to the hotel and are recuperating. And Dignan says that he wants to use Inez's master key to steal a car so that they can continue being on the lam and leave. And Anthony says, no. And Dignan says, fine, then we're going to hotwire a car and this idea I don't back down from. Uh, Meanwhile, Anthony sneaks off, leaves Dignan in the room, and he goes and gets Rocky, the dishwasher kid who does speak Spanish and English, to translate So that he can tell Inez that he's deeply in love with her and that he wants to run away and take her away from all this. And she finally bursts his bubble and is like, to where? Where are you going? And basically, while Rocky does the dishes, he translates their breakup or her letting him down easy. And she describes him as she basically says, oh, I thought this was just a quick fuck. Like, I thought we were just hooking up or whatever. I, you know, well, she
1: says you're like paper, like trash. You're like paper, like, paper like trash. By. Yeah. I like the line where he's the translator says it doesn't sound like that in Spanish. It doesn't <laughs> like sound that like, bad in Spanish. Something's being lost in translation. She's not calling you trash. She's she's just, saying uh, you I you thought this was sense, casual. In yeah. sense that, uh, she's saying that he's got too much like wanderlust, and uh, she's an organized person, a very serious person. Uh, And she can't just leave because you want her to leave. Uh, Yeah, he's coming on too strong,
0: like these types of characters always do. Um, (sighs) Yeah, he says she's a serious person, an organized person. She doesn't want you to stay. And then uh, they're checking out of the hotel. His heart is broken. And on the way out, Rocky tells Dignan... Oh, by the way, man, tell Anthony I love him. And he goes, all right, okay. (laughs) So there's a miscommunication there because, of course, Rocky means that Inez changed her mind and she does love him. But Dignan thinks that Rocky is just a weird kid saying weird stuff. So he doesn't bring it up. I love Anthony. Yeah, so he doesn't bring it up. He doesn't. he? He goes, okay, he just goes, all right, man. All right. See you later. Bef- uh,
1: but that is after, Anth- uh, after Dignan has taken the envelope that you used to pay, uh, you know, uh, for the maid in the hotel the room, the yeah. hotel room uh, which we learn in the next scene that all of the money, all that the they bookstore had, money, all the bookstore money is in that envelope because, uh, you know, Anthony wanted yeah. to give uh and as his entirety of all of the, all of his money.
0: Dignan does uh, hotwire a car and they basically uh, drive away mm. to a kick ass Proclaimers song. I just got to say, I do mm. love the Proclaimers and people should listen to the Proclaimers more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the car breaks down on the side of the road. Anthony reveals that he left all the money in the envelope and Dignan Breaks the car windshield with a rock and has a line I do like, which is pointless act. You do not give the hotel housekeeper a $500 tip. That's inappropriate. That's inexcusable. <laughs> right. Just a weird, <laughs> weird way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah then and he says the thing that breaks up the friendship, right? Which is, right. she didn't love you, man.
1: And so they like have punched each other. Uh, I think he slashes him like... with
0: a screwdriver.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like brutal in the you know quirky comedy in of the, the friendship 90s way. splits up. And uh, so then we kind of cut to what feels like just the future. Uh, and it starts by um, a narr- uh, Luke Wilson narrating a letter to his Sister Grace. Anthony says that he and Bob have settled into a routine back at home that's keeping him busy. He's got a paper route and does construction and valet work with Bob. He coaches a Little League soccer team. It's all a montage and it's very cute. He tells her to learn a foreign language because he feels like that because he didn't, he lost out on some aspects of life. So he's just... Reflecting and changing his life, mm-hmm. um, we then catch up with Dignan, who actually is tracking Anthony down, and they kind of have a scene where they reconcile. He says, "quote I wish the stuff, I wish some of the stuff that was said out there wasn't said by me." Um, he wears a yellow jumpsuit. Uh, which is notable because that becomes the only thing he basically wears, or it's the thing he wears for most scenes for the rest of the film. Mm. Uh, And he takes Anthony to Mr. Henry's place of work, which he is now working. Uh, And it's a pretty snazzy joint. It's got a ping pong table. Uh, they ask if anthony uh is into uh, uh doing any heists once uh he kind of anthony beats mr henry at ping pong mr henry respects that and he confides into anthony that he actually uh pities dignan uh, in a later scene they kind of have like this sit down where he's like yeah uh, <clears throat> the whole point is that uh, dignan is like Maybe Mr. Henry will get my friend Anthony to come back into uh, the group, the fold, just like because like, he respects Mr. Henry. And then when he they kind of have their solo sit down without Dignan, Mr. Henry says that like Dignan is kind of shitty. He doesn't like Dignan. Well, he says he and, thought he
0: had a team, but it turns out he's alone. That's tough, real tough. And it does yeah. make him see like, damn, I'm letting Dignan down.
1: Yeah. So now we have this whole thing where Anthony now kind of sees like how... Dignan is kind of pitiful, too, because mm-hmm. the person that he's been holding up high doesn't think very high of him as well. And this is exacerbated
0: but, when yeah. future man, Bob's brother, right. sees him in his yellow jumpsuit and just brutally rips on him and he starts yeah. to feel self conf He starts to see, oh, I'm a joke. I'm a piece of shit. I didn't realize right. uh, the line is, you know, I'm not always as confident as I look. Well, right. did you see and what he had on? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: And he's in like, he's in his yellow jumpsuit and he's got like a, like a Vespa. It's all very Wes Anderson again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and after seeing that, Anthony says, you know what? I will. Uh, well, he know, says I "Will
0: the one what? line you got to have in any heist movie, which is mm-hmm. God damn it. I'm in.
1: Yeah, and he says you got to get me one of those jumpsuits also. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, I'm he's just friend. doing I'm it to make support.
0: Dignan feel good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and then we have a uh, one of the most important scenes in all of cinematic history, which is James Caan doing karate With And Robo. Dignan and Anthony. Are at, so we were at we were at Bob's house. I want to just make everything clear for yes. the audience. We're at Bob's house. Dignan and Anthony were there. We had a scene that mattered. Mm-hmm. It uh, it ended. And then we cut to Mr. Henry, a.k.a. Uh, James Caan doing karate and Dignan and Anthony arrive and they say, uh, hey, let's go. And then it cuts back to Bob's house. And now everyone and also Bob is now sitting there. They're, like mm-hmm. that was the end of the scene. It was just a scene to be like Mr. Henry does karate.
0: That's right, and then they establish right. that Bob's on the team again, and they make up over the fact that the marijuana shit with his in brother the next happened. Scene. Yeah. They're like, "It's okay," and they're like, "Okay, so we're all a gang, and we're going to do the Mister Henry heist, right?" All right. Mm-hmm. right. So we cut to Bob's country club where they're all having lunch, getting to know each other, talking like uh, you know, a Reservoir Dogs scene, like the gang's all here. Let's have lunch together. Future right. Man comes in to hassle Bob, and Mister Henry stands up for him and <laughs> uses his karate to humiliate future man. He literally says, hi-yah! And uh, grabs yeah. his arm. Can we just yeah. hat tip to James Fuck James Con wrecks I mean, in this movie. It's, yeah, yeah. It's- it's, it gives you the same it's like a foreshadowing of the way Gene Hackman is going to be used in Tenenbaums, And Where it's like, and, take an actor yeah. that you don't even need to direct, who's just a legend, and, and let them Anderson centerpiece. Wes Anderson is good at this. Yeah. He
1: does that uh, Willem Dafoe and Steve Zissou. You know, yeah. it's like, it's all the same stuff. It's just like, do a really weird performance. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Let James <laughs> Khan do some crazy weird shit he's never done before. Let him have fun. You know he's going to yeah. nail it. And he absolutely yeah. does. And he says, I hope this doesn't offend you, Bob, but your brother's a cocksucker.
1: Everyone <laughs>, <And> laughs. Everyone laughs, laughs everyone Future
0: man And he's <laughs> embarrassed <laughs> So uh, They all agree That Mr. Henry's Pretty oh, cool Also it
1: cuts It cuts back to the house And he's playing piano And everyone's still laughing Yeah uh, It feels like a Like a Simpsons moment I guess Is what oh, I'm saying
0: Oh uh, James Conn is absolutely Hank Scorpio It's the exact same yeah, Functional yeah, yeah, yeah. The character Cause everyone's like Wow he's cool He's so charming Let's all do whatever he says So they're gonna do the <laughs> heist And he says The place they're heisting Is called Hinkley Cold Storage It's just a place Where they store meat But like you know There's a safe in the office and there's money there uh, he introduces them to Kumar who's this guy who he says is a master safe cracker we already spoiled the big joke with him as he's just some guy uh, and I think possibly my favorite thing about James Khan is that he's a huge weeb <laughs> like
1: yeah, 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 yeah. he has
0: he wears a samurai top knot and a kimono like just seeing James Khan, who is a member of the fucking rat pack <laughs> like be a weeb cast as a yeah, weeb cast cast, as a that's old so weeb. hilarious old weeb yeah named mr henry um meanwhile dignan by chance is like yeah that rocky kid was weird well they're on stakeout they're staking out Hinckley's learning about their routines yeah, which and he's
1: i do really like that dignan is wearing a suit because that's like what he thinks a cop would wear at a stakeout yeah it's yeah. true
0: and uh yeah and Anthony's just drawing a flip book Of someone pole vaulting for no reason but yep. They're just shooting the shit and he's like That Rocky kid said I love you by the way I thought That was weird and he goes what And he f- pieces it together he goes Inez loves me and he literally <laughs> Just runs away It's, as it's if he's super
1: sweaty How he does it he's to like, love. wait a second The translator was it the translator yeah it was Translator so maybe she was actually Or he was actually maybe translating she, she for she an an ass, me. Which means that me loves me It's like yeah. it's so sweaty <laughs>
0: Uh, Dignan meanwhile chats with Henry. Says, "I uh, I want to do this job alone." Meaning, Mr. Henry was going to come on the job, but he's like, "I want mm-hmm. a chance to prove to you that I'm ready for bigger jobs and I can like be a part of your gang, a trusted member of your gang." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "All right, man, if that's what you want to do." Meanwhile, Anthony is just calling a bunch of hotels to try and find Inez, and he eventually does. It's another scene that seems like, "Why did you even need that?" Like he calls some ho- montage of phone calls. I it's guess. Got
1: a cool editorial kind yeah. of procedure.
0: And then he says, I heard you love me. And she says, Yes, I do. And music kicks in. (laughs) And you're like, Mm -mm. we're supposed to feel good. The The music's letting me know. And like
1: what I love is that when we cut back to the party, everyone is smiling and like not congratulating him. I I mean some of his friends. Yeah, it's like just like everyone's like, Yeah, it's great. And everyone's just enjoying the party suddenly. Like the party the party atmosphere got happier while the phone calls happened. Which you can assume is because everyone's getting drunk not because they all knew about anthony's hijinks but that cuts abruptly to the heist yes and now they're and I all will, wearing yellow as far suits. as climaxes
0: go i do think the chaos of the heist is the funniest the movie gets so like he placed yeah. his climax well the heist mm-hmm. is pretty damn funny um, they heist the storage facility, as we said, or I just the air comedy of errors is impressive. Um, the workers come in. First of all, the workers come in, the workers who were supposed to not be there because they, like, scouted it and they thought they knew the routines. So they have to take hostages at gunpoint and they yell, you're always at lunch right now. And he goes, not always. He goes, yes, always, which clearly they're not. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, he runs in and Kumar's just sitting there. and He goes, I couldn't do it, man. I really fucked up, man. I couldn't do it. And uh, then Bob has an accidental gun discharge, which causes Applejack to have a heart attack. So Dignan says, this is all getting fucked. Throw a smoke bomb. So they throw a smoke bomb, which triggers the fire alarm and summons the police. Meanwhile, the elevator breaks down that they were trying to escape on. So... Uh The guy who's having a heart attack is stuck on the second floor in the elevator alone, dying of a heart attack. Kumar gets lost and gets locked in the walk in freezer. And they go, Why were you in the freezer? And he just keeps going, Man, I blew it. I blew it, man. I don't know, man. (laughs) And uh, it's like nom, like he's just falling apart. (laughs) Um, Then they finally get Applejack into the big red van they brought and they Mm -hmm. realize Applejack has the keys in his pocket. So he's locked in the van having a heart attack and he can't open the door. And they all just sprint in all directions and that's how the height stands except owen wilson and applejack didn't get away in time and the cops come and arrest them um they <laughs> yeah, chase they chase owen wilson for a while but then they catch him and yeah, beat and the shit out of him frankly
1: right in between the scene because there is a little uh do that happens because they like there's a moment where when they get to the bright red vw the mm-hmm. escape van and f- realize that it's locked Applejack is not with them.
0: He's stuck in the elevator. So
1: Dignan and Anthony have a kind of conversation where Dignan says, like, you should just go. I'll take care of this. And Anthony knows that that means that if something happens, which is very likely because the police are incoming, that he's going to take the fall. Um, And that allows an intercut scene that while the heist is happening, Mr. Henry... On the other side of town, uh, in you know, because this is all I think shot in Dallas, Texas, Mr. Henry is loading furniture from Bob's house into a truck. So the heist actually seems like Mr. Henry, Henry's Mr. Henry's full shit. This heist was never important to Mr. Henry. He is just kind of like flying by the seat of his pants. He notices that Bob's house is nice, so he's gonna rob him.
0: I think Um, it was more. Uh, I think it was pre-planned More or pre-planned? In, we don't know for sure, but you I didn't think, know Bob at all though. I think James Conn was like this Dignan guy's a piece of shit. His friend Bob is loaded and he made a, a fake heist to distract them. And Once the real he heist was it, just was robbing best, Bob's yeah. house Yeah,
1: yeah. and he was just like, I don't know, cold storage Someplace, yeah, because yeah. they're idiots Yeah, so, but now we're all uh, Dignan is uh, kind of Arrested when he's he brings up Applejack and Applejack dies, or Looks like he's dying and locked himself Inside the van um, I mean, he's dead, but he isn't dead Because like
0: we he lives, lives, we, we find up, out yeah he's
1: walking up but he's then saying he, my heart hurts he, I think
0: I'm having a heart attack shit yeah like that.
1: yeah 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 but it's just like yeah I thought he was dead earlier than this it's just kind of unclear it's a little like, glossed over he, it's a little glossed over but yeah point is it seems like Applejack dies and Dignan is now in jail so no he doesn't cut,
0: die because later oh, he in jail die. so it cuts right. to Anthony and Bob visiting Dignan in jail and the narration says that Applejack got his case dismissed because he was in the middle of a heart attack. He's oh, remember, okay. he says, Well, they take that medical stuff into account, man, <laughs> which is <laughs> not true, not really uh, true. I don't think Applejack would get his case dismissed, but that's what they say. True. So, yeah, just the reality you, of the film,
1: whatever. Yeah, um,
0: they also say that Bob's getting along better with Future Man because they have a shared problem now, which is that they're broke and all their furniture has gone, right? Um, Inez is going to come visit Anthony soon, like, is saving up for a trip to so they're having a long distance relationship. Dignan made them all commemorative heist belt buckles and has no hard feelings towards Mr. Henry, which is insane. But um, but he says, yeah, give this belt buckle to Mr. Henry. Tell him no hard feelings. Uh, this commemorates the heist. You know, I'm still glad we did it. It was fun. Uh, and he says, I think the ultimate punchline of the film, which is he goes, he's in jail. And he says... We really did it though, didn't we? <laughs> he goes, yep, we did mm-hmm. it all right. Um, even though they've done nothing but fail. Like there's never been a moment of success for them, but he is just going to delusionally insist because the movie's wrapping up that this was all worthwhile, which is, I think, funny in a postmodern way. Um, mm-hmm. Dignan acts like he wants to escape. At the last second Like he says Okay so when we reach This the place plan. You have to kill yeah. this guard And they're like What? And he goes I'm just fucking with you So we get the impression Dignan's accepting His two years in jail And he's just he's gonna just Accept it with him. grace And he's just grateful mm. That he has friends uh, And the last line Of the movie Was really weird to me Because it just doesn't Seem to resonate With anything But he says right. Hey, isn't it funny how you used to be in the nut house and now I'm in jail? And then he waves goodbye, and then the movie ends. Like
1: they all, <laughs> which laugh, was but then, a weird ending. But then Dignan gets sad when he looks away. Yeah, uh, like and obviously then, it's
0: actually sad.
1: Yeah, and we see the first uh, time, uh, uh, the first instance of Wes Anderson's, like I would say, probably most most uh, utilized tr- trademark, which is uh, the mid-shot speed change. It changes from normal speed to slow motion, which is usually how Wes Anderson sh- shows, as we see later in like Royal Tenenbaums and stuff, shows oh, someone is acting like they're happy, but secretly they're sad.
0: Yes, that is a huge trademark thing for him. Yeah. And he started, um, and it all started here. And that's kind of how it
1: ends the film, so yeah. you get the sense that Dignan yeah, everyone's just kind of Presenting happiness But there's a real sadness in Dignan uh, Which is kind I of like a, so I don't a know strange, if he earned that I mean, you that. just look at his fit. He. I don't think he earned it But you look at uh, No, yeah, I'm just space, saying I, I don't think the film
0: it. earned I don't think of Dignan as a real person at all
1: Right, so, yeah. exactly So it's exactly. like
0: if suddenly At the end of a Futurama And I don't mean a good, sad Futurama I mean like a normal, funny one if Bender looked out the window, sadly, I would read it as a joke. Not that I'm supposed to be sad. Really? You know, I feel that way about Dignan. He's the wild card. He's Charlie day of the group. Yeah. Yeah. It anyway. reminds
1: me of, it reminds me of that Mitchell and Webb look with the, uh, the, the Sherlock Holmes sketch, you know, it's well, just you mean the,
0: the last sketch of all time? The last sketch. The final of the, yeah, sketch. Exactly. Yeah. It's like,
1: that's how you earn it. Uh, um, like <laughs> well people, yeah that's many years of <laughs> many, there, years many of sketches of
0: a recurring Very joke funny,
1: yeah. but yeah Look that up if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Look uh, up all
0: the Sherlock Holmes sketches from uh, that Mitchell and Webb look if you haven't seen them. No. It's a whole series of sketches and they get escalatingly <laughs> more <laughs> hilarious and ambitious. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, okay.
0: Okay. That takes us out of talking about things in the order in which they occur. So that's the end of diegesis and the beginning of pedagogy where we uh, basically get out any thoughts we had that we that we didn't tie to a specific event in the thing. Uh, and I got one to kick off. Yeah, hit if me if you want. Or okay, okay. It was um. So like I one of the most resonant lines for Dignan is when he when he's about to get arrested, or and he decides he's going to take the fall, right? And mm-hmm. his line is, "They'll never catch me, man, because I'm fucking innocent," <laughs> which uh does speak to his delusional nature. But it also, for me in that moment, bumped me and brought out what I think is my core problem with this movie. And it may be because I've been on a journey and I've been educated and been lucky enough to be educated. And I am a more thoughtful, intersectional minded person in 2021 than I was in the 90s by far. And uh, there is an inherent, there's something inherently at least uninteresting and at worst toxic about stories about rich white people coming from a place of such privilege that you know throughout the whole movie almost nothing bad can happen to them like at the end of the day he gets 24 months in jail he wasn't doing anything with his life anyway he's probably safer in jail Mm -hmm. and He did bad shit. Like, it's actually disturbing to me that he thinks of himself as innocent. He robbed Mm -hmm. from his friend's mother. He held people at gunpoint, causing them great emotional distress, I'm sure. He, you know, a guy had a heart attack. (laughs) Like, there were consequences. And I feel like a curmudgeon, but it didn't make me feel cute and whimsical and funny that the film treated it like hey, these two white boys are just going to go on a crime spree. Isn't that cute and funny? They're working out their issues because they're stunted children. It felt more like a dissection of everything that is wrong with white privileged men who come from a place of wealth and like, whatever, we can rob people. We can shoot at people. We're discovering ourselves. No harm, no foul, bro. And I'm like, no, these guys suck. These guys both actually suck. I think part of this
1: is – part of this is – Part of this we let's back up a bit. The part of this is really and I wanna kinda talk about the differences between like so this podcast is going to have like a, a fundamental fissure in the two films it talks about because Wes Anderson mostly makes comedies with a light, uh, dysfunctional kind of resonance that we kind of pick up as drama, but, um,
0: medium, dark comedies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the reason that we chose An- uh, Paul Thomas Anderson on the other side is that he makes dramas with the, with dramatic themes that are like higher stakes, but influences small little moments of comedy to kind of deliver loot the drama a little bit. So we had, kind of have this mirror flip, but we are talking about two different filmmakers that are very different in their core because the essence is comedy versus drama or in the case, you know, even tragedy in some instances.
0: But that's my thing is then if you're saying... I wanted you to appreciate this as a pure comedy, like a Simpsons episode. So then it wasn't funny enough. So that, that's what I want to kind of peel back now. (laughs) So the
1: reason that I set up that dichotomy is because it's going to come up time and time again. So it should come up now. So we're starting to talk about it. (laughs) Now your critique is kind of, (laughs) I think it's very sound and I think yes it does have the lens of 2021 on it so like obviously he's making a 96 but I do think that he's a a little bit ahead of the curve even though it does look very like problematic because the film is about cognitive dissonance right that's like the basic theme is mainly wanting things to be true that reality will just combat and -hmm. our characters wants are assuming that things will work out and are flabbergasted and depressed when they don't so even if their desires are grandiose we do find charm in their aiming for the fences attitude. And that's where that creeps in the kind of uh, like kind of male um, or rather rich white person kind of like everything's going to go well is that the charm is in the fact that they have the presumption to aim for the fences when the reality is that like, well, it's much harder for a lot of people. And Wes Anderson kind of could that under the rug, but that's what all comedies kind of do in this era, right? But it's not justifying. Sorry, yeah, I'm not justifying that. I'm just pointing out that, like, that I think is what Wes Anderson is going for, but he doesn't really nail it because he's not really trying. He's in in the end, he doesn't really want to say that cognitive, like, this is a problem. He wants to say it's a it's a like an engine for comedy. To exactly. That's fools. what I'm saying.
0: Is that yeah. we do make they're fun of them film- as fools, which could arguably state, "Well, it's not problematic because they're made out to be fools." And yes, they no, are. That's not. But yeah. I don't think the film actually. Like you couldn't call it a satire or a critique of the privileged rich white male. No, it's not that it's a buddy comedy that follows the classic arc of their friendship is threatened and then they make up and there was a cost, but they're still happy at the end. And one of them fell in love. So it's like, it's not really working on that level for me. And at the same time, it's not working on the level where I'm like, okay, let's say it's just a pure zany comedy. And then Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it with my admittedly harsh comedian comedy writer's eyes Mm -hmm. because comedy writers are just harsh about jokes. But I'm, you know, I'm sitting there thinking that joke's not that funny. That joke's kind Mm -hmm. of funny. That joke was funny. That joke's not Mm -hmm. that funny. And I'm like Mm -hmm. ticking the ratio of jokes to laugh lines. And I'm just like... It's not funny enough to be a comedy, and it's not serious enough to make me think seriously about what it's presenting, and I think that's a problem for me. I do think this movie has a problem of being a combination of disparate elements that are not necessarily harmonious and don't necessarily know what they're about. It feels like Wes Anderson's finding his feet. And I'm hoping because I don't have all the Wes Anderson movies in my head, like a, like, you know, like a catalog, I can't just recall them. Um, I'm hoping we see a trend of him becoming more confident and more elegant. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I will say shines through is whether it's him or him working in tandem with his team, I actually don't know the gritty details. I'm sure by the end of this podcast series, we will have talked about this explicitly. Maybe, you know, already, but the art direction is so on point even in this movie and that's true the art direction is beautiful and so compositionally accomplished that it makes me wonder sometimes like do i mainly care about wes anderson because of his art director which would be an interesting Uh... thing because i love the idea that someone on set, a department on set that usually doesn't get shine nailed it so hard that that's really secretly what Wes Anderson's career I mean, he's is the built director. on. He's in charge of that department. Yes. He's Even in charge there of the an, choices. He's yes. not the
1: head of that department. He's in charge of all departments. So like yeah. in that essence, he is choosing, like it's that American um, Express ad that had Wes right. Anderson. <laughs> he he's makes yes and no all, decisions. He's yeah. And to, to an extent that's not like what's dramatized in that is how quick he's doing it. But like, it's not far off from what I believe Wes Anderson would do because once again, of the consistency, he's so consistent about like, it's gotta be that it's gotta be that he's got it in his head. That's why we're signing up for Wes Anderson, you know, right. Pictures is that it's just like, I like the look of those those colors.
0: I'm just saying there's credit due if it's Wes Anderson himself, all the Mm -hmm. better. But the, the art direction is compelling and, and, Cool and kooky And it. it's delightful mm-hmm. Even this early um, Did you get anything Out of the line Isn't it funny How you used to be In the nut house And now I'm in jail Because Because
1: no. uh, Other I'm, than just like The classic flip of Rondo like, oh. Yeah it's a Rondo It's A-B-A Or it's A-B-A prime You know Okay um,
0: See I think The fact that the fine. last line Is only indicating Hey this was kind of fun Speaks to the fact That that's all the film is Which I, I don't know it seems like the film itself has cognitive dissonance. The film is more ambitious than it ultimately, than what it has ah, to offer. Yes. Which now is interesting. Yeah.
1: Mm, yes. This is what I'm talking about. The this movie no seems
0: about. to delusionally think that it is more important than it ultimately yes. really is.
1: Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. So I want to dissect this a little bit. And I think I have, I think this movie actually has a like a short little sequence that I, can help me say what I wish to say about it which is that you're absolutely right about that. Keep that, everyone keep that in our heads right now. (laughs) This movie thinks it's more important than it is. Um, I want to point out a sequence uh, in the middle of the film that feels like the most Wes Anderson to me. And I'm not talking about just the fact that it's like, I keep saying like, uh, you know, it's like the the wool petticoats and the fucking, you know, Jacques Cousteau loving asses, mm-hmm. you know, like all that, like, you know, literary chic. It's not that that I'm saying like I dislike Westerston for that. It's like, look at his sequence building. There's a sequence where we're at a diner. Dignan is angry at Anthony for not telling him about Bob taking his car. Once he says he's sorry about that, And he sees a doodle of a Nez Dignan says, then he supports him. And he says like, Hey man, I want to be supportive. Even though we know that that's not true. So there's a little bit of complexity there. Mm -hmm. Look at the beats. Anthony then runs back to the hotel. We get a song, some Wes Anderson, E flat shots. That's all nice. I'm not, you know, picking that apart. They sleep with each other. Then they watch from the hotel that Dignan is sad and alone. And in like the, in like the farm, like the field Mm -hmm. playing with bottle rockets Anthony says to basically stop being so moody and join them for the night at the bar. Dignan says, I don't want to go. But after Anthony says, why don't you just come over there with us? Dignan says, OK, and hands the sparkler to Inez and walks off. So out of that brief sequence, which is enough scenes to, you know, your sequence building now yeah. at this point, there's we go somewhere, we go elsewhere, we go elsewhere. What is going on in the sequence? What's the drama? How's the drama resolved? What do people say to each other to elicit change? How does it push the narrative forward in any way that people must do something that they don't want to do? Basically, where's the conflict? It That's, basically
0: just yeah. gets
1: us to the next place.
0: Con, a lot of conflict in this happens. film is the idea of someone for a minute saying, no, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. And then at the end of the scene and going, yeah, OK, okay I'll do I'll it. Do OK.
1: That. And we don't understand. Like, that, that is not
0: a. That's not good enough for drama. That's not complex enough to be dramatically and there, compelling. And there,
1: and, there, and maybe that's how, uh, you know, Wes Anderson thinks of his films, because uh, all Wes Anderson movies have this similar problem. We have usually a great introduction to a character. We almost see immediately in a single image or like within 30 seconds. He's great at opening images. He really a is. A character in all of his movies, how they see the world, how they interact with it, how they feel about what the world doesn't allow them to do. It's all great stuff, but there's rarely times in his screenplays, especially this one, where they really need to confront how their flaws cause problems for others. And this one definitely doesn't, no one learns anything in this movie. So the setup is all conflict that we need. But mm-hmm. it's never developed. Like in this case, Anthony's lost and he finds love. Done. Dignam wants to do heist, and he goes to jail. It's over. Things just kind of resolve. Right. Um, and that's that's not story manufacturing visual aesthetic. That's visual well, aesthetic. Everything's so Rondo.
0: Everything's so circular too. Like even Bob's arc is all this furniture gets stolen and his end point is he's going shopping for new furniture. It's like, so none of this mattered? Like he's not even poor now? Which he can just I, afford new yeah. furniture.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay. So like, for example, if there's like a log line of this film, it would be like two never do wells, pull off heist and like fall in love or whatever. Right. Something like that. And it's the whole point. Never do wells is always a term that people use, especially in comedies. Because the setup is that they don't do well. So by the end of the film, they're going to do one thing or one spectacular thing or they'll have grown. Mm-hmm. But usually these characters and in this case, they're kind of manic pixie dream boys that just do their thing. Yeah. And they they kind of get slapped on the wrist a little bit or they you know find a new phase in their life. Uh, And it's kind of that dichotomy between the characters and that's fine. And I think that Wes Anderson is probably fine with that. He's probably saying, yeah, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to make a, like a little bit of like little story about
0: (laughs) friends who are going to do a heist and then one falls in love and that threatens the friendship, but then they get over it, which is one of the most classic buddy stories there is. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And it also bothered me that the, it, hmm. I love that music are, is an emotion machine that's so effective, and I right. love mu- I love that film as a medium encompasses music. I do think that's key to it, and even though there's been great films made without scores, like The Tourist mm-hmm. comes to mind. Uh, I don't I don't begrudge score, and I think score is very important. And I, but there's a level, there's a degree, there's a point of carpeting your film with score. To where it feels gaslighting and manipulative. And I think Bottle Rocket tips over that line for me. Um, Mm -hmm. The score felt like you couldn't get me to feel the emotions you want me to feel any other way. So you just made a good ass playlist because you couldn't think of any other tactic. Um, Too often, I think the film just kicks in with music that you're like, oh, this is a sad scene, I guess. I can tell because of the music. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) I'm flashing forward to things like Nico, you know, these days. Uh, and, uh, just, I don't know, man, this is making me question a lot of the fundamental things that I liked about bombs, and I'm worried about getting to bombs. but I'll worry about that, I guess, as it comes.
1: Look, I think that like, as far as my opinion, which does not matter is that I think that they're well-made, not that funny comedies. Like when you mm-hmm. strip everything away, you're right. It's about the montages, the music, the pretty inserts and props, like basically the fashion. And it's not that that. The movies are bereft of any meaning. I think later they do actually become more so. I so do. I, do I suspect that, and I it. hope
0: it's true. I
1: have only watched up
0: to Budapest, I believe.
1: Um, I'll just, I just haven't. Have seen you seen Moonrise? Some of the most, oh, I did see Moonrise. I yeah. liked
0: Moonrise too, from what I recall. Well, I just want. Um, it feels mm. like. Ah uh, <laughs> uh, no, I don't want to say that. I'll save that. I'll save that judgment for a more overview later in the podcast. In this
1: film, there's a clear indication of good craft. There's fun montages. There's like smart editing in a time when, like it's fairly early in the process, like in 96.
0: Uh, Here's what I'll say. Three years after Jurassic Park. It's stylized goodness. Yeah, you've compared him to Guy Ritchie frequently, and I never saw what you meant, and now I do. That's how I'll put it. There you go. (laughs) I I see what you're saying.
1: And I think that... um, I think that hopefully people know what I mean more as we kind of like pick part stuff. I wouldn't say it's true in this one, but I'll just say that the reason I kind of do the parallels between those two directors Mm -hmm. is that it's like when you approach a story, uh, what are you, what's your first, what's your first master, you know, in story writing, is it the story and the beats mattering? And that's where like the comedy or the drama or the tragedy come from, or is it the visual aesthetic or is it the do you like what do you think yeah. movies are for it's a what spectrum
0: it's a spectrum but the poles of the spectrum tend to be right. a storyteller either has something to say that they believe in or they just enjoy saying things and they're interested in the act and craft of how things are said um, and both and can, artists have land value. somewhere on that yeah. spectrum and both have that I'm not saying that
1: yeah. I mean I am saying one is better but that's because I am also I I am super biased. I have my own opinions. I'm a storyteller. I like, mm-hmm. I want to tell stories in this particular way. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, but I just, am. it's, this is kind of like more or less not, not really an appeal. Cause I think everyone should come up with their own opinion of it, but I'm saying that there is a clear, indica- clear difference between these two directors, mm-hmm. um, meaning, you know, PTA and Wes Anderson. Um, there's, there's one that's story first and there's one that's visual aesthetic first, in my opinion.
0: All right. Yeah. <gasps> that was like quick and intense and torrential But I think we said a lot of cool stuff I'm out
1: <laughs> Yeah I'm kind of out you? I did want to mention Because we mentioned at the top mm-hmm. I mean it's like uh, I don't have much for howdy do that Because there's nothing that I think anyone would be confused Of how they did that
0: um, right? It's pretty textbook The only thing that I really From digging into howdy do that The only then thing that's how that, they do that I figured <laughs> Was uh or, you know, found to Mm learn, that's the word I'm looking for, learned, was that it was a short. He took it to festivals. uh, Some people got interested. Marty Scorsese liked it. So he helped, you know, when you have his name, then they shopped it around. More people were willing to fund the feature version. They shot the feature version. It got the lowest test review screening like (laughs) results ever. I forgot about that, Um, yeah. So they got a Simpsons writer, or Simpsons producer, James L. Brooks, too, Uh, try and doctor the script he famously said that they wouldn't take any notes from him and so he kind of washed his hands of it uh they screened it again it got bad reviews they reshot the beginning they took it to sundance it got rejected then they reshot the beginning it got accepted and then it went over fairly well at least enough to get wes anderson a second movie So it's like, it's exactly uh, what we hope furry movie does.
1: (laughs) I hope in it, like, I know it won't happen, but I hope, I hope I get so many chances, right?
0: That's the other thing is learning that about it. it, I don't, I don't mean to be the bitter middle class, lower middle class filmmaker who's like begrudging, but I'm like, was Wes Anderson already rich or does he have family that are in the industry already? Uh, cause yeah, it seems think, like he failed. It seems like the movie failed and he got a new, another movie anyway.
1: Yeah. I feel like, I feel like what we could do is, uh, like, so by the way, uh, if you patronize us, we have a, uh, this thing on discord, which is we do Monday movie nights. And I think it might be a fun experiment to watch both the short films of, uh, what is it? Cigarettes and coffee or coffee yeah, and cigarettes. And are bottle great, rocket. The one that in, it started at heart eight and then watch bottle rocket and compare them. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that there's an interesting story about how they kind of like all got their, they both got their money. Um, and it kind of tells you the tale of like how filmmaking was different, uh, in the nineties. Um, and you know, I'm also just doing this as a shameless plug for, to come, watch us come listen to us watch movies and talk over them we just show random nonsense that we want to show um so if you're into that you know yeah hit us up
0: that's we'll a good point we bike. almost never do pledge drives so i'll just say uh patronage is dipping lately and so if you've uh patronized <laughs> us in the past and feel like coming back the we'd word is appreciate plateauing
1: it. the word is plateauing sir hey dude if you're not
0: <laughs> advancing your or whatever no we're technically yeah. dipping but you're right it's not it's not it's I'm not good, freaking baby. out yet, but mm-hmm. I, it was enough that it was worth mentioning because I noticed, Gamefully they start they start their episodes with a self plug, and I actually think that's smart. I think they get more patronage because of it, and there's nothing wrong with promoting yourself. We try, we work hard to give people a good product. Blah 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 almost blah blah definitely. blah. Yeah,
1: almost definitely. So patronize so conversation... us if you can.
0: There's there's good shit over there. We do movie nights every Monday that only patrons yeah. can access, and uh, and we're working on our own movie. Which you can follow along with only if you patronize us. And that's like 30 episodes deep at this point. Right. 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 We have
1: projects and you get to hear us. It's uh, sometimes boring, but a lot of people say they find it therapeutic uh, is the response that we've mm-hmm. been getting, which is that we you just we do usually 2 hours at a time we have writing sessions where we write and uh, we discuss you know what we're doing with this beat or what the dialogue should be and it's very it's very uh, to, in my opinion very very droll and uh uh, just like (laughs) not something that I would want to listen to. You're
0: really undermining what I'm trying to do here with (laughs) this self plug.
1: But it is like, if you are interested in all like screenwriters doing their craft, that we are doing that. And I think we're, we're pretty good. So it's kind of a good indication of like what I, you you get to be there on the ground floor when we're making our movie, which we'll make and self-produce, which is kind of a cool and exciting project to be a part of. And we'll see
0: if we can, be the bottle rocket boys yeah um, you can
1: be a part of that yeah you the audience Abe I was gonna ask
0: it's been so long we haven't checked in about this I figure we're gonna wrap out here shortly but I may as well ask on the air uh are we ever opening pick the flick again? Oh, we can, uh, the, we used to have a tier had... where if you pay a hundred bucks, you can force us to watch right. a movie for frame rate well, of your choice. And <laughs> we have, we have not done that for a while because it got flooded with requests, which we're very appreciative yes. of. Um, yes. but I think it might, we might have the bandwidth to let people pick some flicks again. I if don't know. We,
1: I, yeah. I mean, I think so. I think we're in a spot where we're, we definitely have a call to, we're going to be doing more frame rates. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially bigger in shows the new like year. this, yeah. uh, director piece theater, one upsmanship, have kept us for a while from doing so many frame rates because we always want to get a guest, and we're all very busy. And um, like I think if we do a, like a pick the flick without a guest, uh, that was another problem. Is that we would we thought that it would justify your money, so you patronize and get to choose a movie that we get to listen to or watch and talk about. Um, but you also got to pick the guest. And so what would happen is that we would essentially try to please everyone. And then we ended up pleasing no one because we'd get like six months behind and people are very gracious, but mm-hmm. I was just like, I, Dan O'Brien can't, I can't do this for, you know, yet. when, or our own scheduling had a, you know, problem. So what I think we might do is maybe we'll consider opening that back up for just the, uh, we'll watch something that you want us to watch. And we're doing more frame rates, so it's also the other thing was, if you only do once a month, and it's only the ones that um, we never got, we never got to do ones that we wanted to do. Um, Yeah, and we kind of got sad about that.
0: But it's been a while, so I'd be down. But it's been a
1: while, and I feel like we could maybe give it a give it a shot, and as long as we like try to do two a month, yeah. My answer
0: is yes. Cool. Well, let's do that okay cool all right um uh, well this was you buddy this was uh our analysis of a film about uh two white dudes who don't mm-hmm. understand the bubble of privilege in which they live and have mm-hmm. big dreams that are ultimately never going to come true and it's obvious to everyone else from the outside yeah uh, and, and i'm talking you're... about owen and luke wilson not us
1: yeah yeah and they're, we're not they're kinda... Because of their charm or whatnot, we they're held up by it. their community. <laughs> right,
0: exactly. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the
1: only reason that they get to live. We so, love um, you. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to mention, please patronize us, because otherwise we won't have food. So, uh, or we'll have to do other jobs.
0: <laughs> that's that's enough. Next time yeah. we'll be back with a. Uh, we'll
1: do a. We'll do a PTA boogie nights and set up next. Indeed, sir. Hell
0: yeah! Never seen that.
1: I am so excited. I'm thrilled. Cool.
0: I am so excited. I think it's the first legitimately good. One. Like here we are where we've arrived. Like I mean, heartache's good, but it's not like mind blowing. Yeah.
1: It's good. Like you're going to see, Oh, I see. what we're, uh, PTA developed Like yeah. he, he he jumped up to a new level with this one but let's leave cool. that for that
0: podcast yep see you next time for Boogie Nights this has been a Small Beans Endeavor we're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches music, web series and movies the beans always have new ideas percolating so make sure to check us out at patreon.com smallbeans small beans that's patreo ncom forward slash small beans where you can browse all of our current and past content See what we've got planned in the future and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.